This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, how the heck you doing here on a Tuesday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, One Bills Live, back in the saddle. Good to be back after a little hiatus there. Um, I'm not going to lie, I had to get out of the weather. Yeah. I had to do it. I couldn't uh, couldn't take it anymore. You really missed out because we had six hours of sunshine over the weekend. You, didn't, well, you had no part of it, so. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did all right on the sunshine quota, yeah, but no yeah. Doubt. It was good just to get out of the weather a little bit. I missed the earthquake, though. Wow. Yeah. How about that? That was a real thing. Yeah. I, we had- I mean, I saw some footage online and stuff because I was checking. You know, I got cameras at my house. So I was like, oh, let me check the house. Like, what's going was there, on? Did anything tipped over or anything? Any noticeable? No. It was bad. I mean, it I'm was- in La- Lancaster, and what was it? West Seneca was Yeah, the you, were, you were closer than I was. was probably, like, well, maybe. Probably like eight miles. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. We, it looked like it was one big bang, though. It came through like that, yeah. It came through like that, and it sounded to me, and I said this yesterday, it sounded like a big explosion off in the distance because yeah. you heard it. And, he, you know, you're up. What was that? Yeah. It was, you couldn't, like, I guess some people did miss it. Like, my son was on a, a bike or a Peloton or whatever, so he he didn't feel it, okay. didn't fe- go through. Like so, there was a ways you could miss it depending on how far away you are and what the situation was in your house. But if you were like, it was six fifteen, six sixteen in the morning, yeah, shake you out of bed, laying in bed. Yeah, you couldn't miss it. Mm. You couldn't miss it. Yeah, I mean, uh, from the footage I saw, it looked like it was just one really, like maybe there was some rumbling, but then there was a bang, like a. Yeah. And I, the the tweet that I laughed at when I was cruising around social media to find anybody that had footage, <laughs> this guy says, you know you live in Buffalo when you have an earthquake and you think, was that the snowplow? Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> Did right. Did the snowplow hit thing. somebody's mailbox or a tree what or happened? a lamppost? Sound like, sound like a plow or something. Yeah. Uh, we And we've all been there. I mean, uh, yeah. So it's <clears throat> it's true. So you knew something happened. Yeah. I said I was looking for a fireball. I thought a plane went down or a gas truck oh, wow. went off. Yeah. Uh, you know, the you know, the end of the world coming, you know, off in the distance. I don't know. It, it, it was it was it was too big to be ignored. Yeah. Too big to be. Ignored. But it was it was fast. Right. You're talking what? Ten seconds. N- not even. Yeah. For me, it felt like it was three, two or three. Yeah. Tops. 
and it because like I said, it was a it was like felt like an impact, so it was gone. Yeah, um, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. It was you know, but it was. And I think we have a seismology center over at UB. Like, yeah, yeah. So they probably measured that. What right was the quick. final number? Somebody Canada three point eight, I think. San, Canada said it was four point two. We said it was three point eight. Something in there, but it was, and it was. Well, they do use the, the metric system, so yeah, well, it's the exchange rate. <laughs> the the from what I've heard, they're also all the people. The geology community is thinking is because of the Turkey earthquake that sent rumbles around oh, the world, like literally through it was the a, earth to the other side, or, or around the around the oh, crust, you like, know, a, like a like, like a, a drop, ripple. Yes, like a ripple effect. Uh, I saw an animation of where the seismologies the what are the seism my seismographs were stationed throughout the world and it you could see the wave come across at the time no kidding wow and it was so the it was a big and if you haven't seen it it's pretty horrific what happened oh, in turkey oh yeah it is um, it's bad and I, it's it was a horrible Those tragedy building collapses are but awful. it was a result of that and it was you know we, that makes we sense we got our part of it that makes which sense cuz you see tsunamis you know yeah, for the and we're not even on the edge of a fault here you know not to my knowledge. No, I mean, there, may, there, there may be a there small be one, one up, here. up here, but not not like the San Andreas or something. Oh you no, hear about. no. But you know, so it was. It would take something like that to have that happen here. Taking me back to my days of Earth science and plate tectonics. Remember Earth you, science? Look at you, plate tectonics. Oh, I can't tell you anything else after that. There was a. There was I a, remember what it was called. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's you know where we're at. So yeah, you did miss that. I did. Were you in the air, like flying back, no, or did you no, just not I feel was, it down there? Uh, I was, yeah, I, that was, what was that, Sunday or Monday morning? Monday, yesterday, yesterday morning. morning. Yesterday yeah. morning, yeah. Yeah, I was still on the ground, but yeah. Yeah. That, oh, was, uh, that was wild. Wild, wild, wild. Because you, you don't have that here very often. That was, you missed it. I'm trying to think. Like, I want to say there was one, like a little minor shaker, like 15, 20 years ago or something, but I, I'm be hard pressed to remember exactly if that's right or not. I don't know why that's sticking in my head, but I could be completely off on that. When I was a teenager, I remember I got shook out of bed down on Long Island, and that was a longer one. That was like 15, 20 seconds. Like my lamp on my nightstand was shaking and yeah. it was rattling, and that's how I was. And then the bed's kind of going like shaking a little bit. Um, that was the only one I've been through. So, yeah. Certainly not like those major ones they have out west. So they can and they can have them. <laughs> I don't. I don't need any of that stuff. You can have all of that. I'll take the snow here any day of the week. You can have your tornadoes, your earthquakes, your mudslides, your hurricanes. I'll take the snow any day of the week. Um, so yeah, but crazy that it happened because it doesn't. As we said, it doesn't happen that often around here. Earlier this morning, Jesse Pagula, daughter of. Terry and Kim Pagula, the pro tennis player, had a written kind of like an open letter type thing on the Players' Tribune. We've seen Dion Dawkins participate in that space. Jordan Poyer was very open about his alcoholism uh, on that, in that space. And so Jessica Pagula put together a piece that said, I want to talk to you about my mom. And it basically outlines all of the... Um, progress that Kim has made since she unfortunately sustained uh, cardiac arrest and just some amazing details provided by Jesse 
you know, because the the family, understandably, has chosen to keep things private. But Jesse felt she had to get this off her chest, and I mean, it was it was very well written, very well laid out, not only in terms of what has happened to their mom, but I think more importantly, I thought it very effectively encapsulated what the family has been dealing with for almost a year now, um, right. just with Kim's recovery and everything that's been involved in that. So just some really telling things that just make you feel the yeah. weight of what I they've know. been dealing with. I've had conversations with, uh, I had a conversation with Terry about, you know, some of the things that it, when you, and let's face it, Kim and Terry, you know, bought the bills, bought the sabers, and you get a lot of things when you buy a business. Sometimes you get a lot of stuff you don't sign up for, and one of the things you don't sign up for is that um, people, right or wrongly, whatever your whatever your position is on, and I'm not going to take sides now, but they think like you're p- kind of public property, and the thing that they forget is how much of a family the Pagulas are. Uh, they're great, um, Kim, Terry. Their kids, they've all been great. And they, and they, when you get to, you know, when you get in behind that, they're a loving family. And they wanted to handle this like a, a family wants to. They, they don't want everybody to know what's going on. They didn't want ever, you know, to be a public conversation. And it took months and months before, you know, Jesse felt like she was in the position. And the fa- I'm sure she, you know, got the blessings from her family to, you know, to let everybody know what had happened. And, and, Kudos to them for handling it as well as they have. But um, I've, I feel I've, we all feel for them. Uh, so happy to know that Kim is on the mend and uh, that there are better days ahead for all of them. And, and we wish their, be- their family the best because that's – yeah. and that's, I guess, my point is that you forget that they're a family and they're not celebrities. They're not public figures really per se. They're, they own a very prominent business. So – uh, the things you get for you get sometimes, and you, that you don't sign up for, aren't all that attractive sometimes. And they've handled it extremely well. So good to them, good for them. We'll continue to keep them in our prayers, and and kudos to them for how they have handled this from from now starting right. to finished. And we, finished. you know, among the details that we found was uh, Kim's other daughter, Kelly, essentially performed CPR on Kim. Um, which was, I mean, basically Jesse credits her sister with, you know, saving her mom's life. It's just, it's dramatic, dramatic stuff. I mean, it was a heavy read, um, you know, and Kim is is dealing, as Jesse points out, with aphasia, expressive aphasia, which is when cognitively you know everything that's going on, whether you're having a conversation with somebody or you're interacting with another person, but the words don't always come to you to express whatever response you have in mind. So it's not considered a cognitive problem. It's a language problem. And, you know, that's what she's been working on from what we understand based on what Jesse has said in terms of, you know, getting back to a place where, you know, she can, you know, conduct conversations like she always has, Um, you know, whether, She'll ever get to that point, you know, will, remains to be seen. I guess the best news is that she's making daily and weekly progress. So we wish her the best on that course and uh, hope she does get to 
uh, her goal, which is probably carrying on conversations just as she always had. So our best wishes again to the family uh, on that as they're, you know, this is anytime a family's dealing with a health issue, it always weighs on you heavily, which, which is what struck me. You know, Jesse mentioned one thing when they say one day in the hospital equals a week to recover. That is no joke. And she's talking about everybody that's dealing with the sick person or the unhealthy person. It's the other family members that are there supporting that person that are mentally and physically exhausted. Just from stress, worry, time spent, you know, sleeping in a chair in, in a hospital room. That's the stuff that wears out the people that are trying to be there for their family members. So that's why I felt, you know, Jesse did such a good job encapsulating everything. Yeah. And as, yeah, and as, uh, as we've said, um, now at least, and because there's been a ton of people, you know, sending their thoughts and their prayers uh, to the Pagula family. Now uh, uh, they can know the details and be more specific in those thoughts and prayers. So good. Um, so we're all in a better spot, maybe perhaps today than we were. Right. So again, as Steve said, you know, we continue to pass our well wishes on to the Bagula family, not just Kim, but all those people that have been carrying this, like Jesse, um, which is why she had to get it off her chest, and we totally understand why. And just amazing, the year that she's had in tennis, despite all of this, is that unbelievable? That's it's unbelievable. It happened right when she cracked the top ten. She climbed all the way to number three. Uh, during this time. So that's been awesome to see. It's made me a tennis fan. So um, she's been she's been thriving and doing well in the midst of a great hardship. Um, that's tough. I to say, but much like much like the city of Buffalo has. So it's well, it's yeah. Fun. And, yeah. you know, that's what that's what brought it all full circle for the Pagula family when the DeMar Hamlin thing happened, because it was pretty comparable to what they experienced in their own family. Mm-hmm. And now it happens in the extended family with Damar. I can't imagine um, what was running through Terry Pagula's head that right. night in, in Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. It's got to be crazy. So, yeah, the good news is both parties are on the mend. So we just hope that continues going forward. Uh, we want to get to NFL news and notes, so we go around the NFL now, which is presented by Kaleida Health the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And we begin with the Minnesota Vikings, Steve, who now have a new defensive coordinator in Brian Flores, now a former Steelers defensive assistant and former Dolphins head coach. I think there's a good hire for Minnesota. They needed help on defense, Steve. That's the thing that cost them their season. They, they were 31st in total defense, 28th yeah. in points allowed. You can say what you want. And 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 may be true. They didn't have you know great personnel, but I don't think they had thirty one the thirty first worst defensive roster in the league. Mm. You know, certainly they they weren't the Philadelphia Eagles or the San Francisco Forty ers or even the Buffalo Bills, but they were better than thirty first in the league. That was pretty bad. And so Brian Flores, who is a highly respected leader and a defensive mind and former head coach, obviously the dolphins is going to go there. That's, I think that's a great hire for Minnesota, a great hire for Minnesota. With Flores taking that job as defensive coordinator with the Vikings, it takes him out of the job for the Cardinals head coaching post, which now is down to two candidates. It's essentially giants. OC Mike Kafka 
and Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. So those are the only two guys left for that job. Yeah, are we cheering for Anarumo to go to that? Well, to the conference. It would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we are. He's a really good defensive coordinator, and you know you're going to end up playing the guy if he's in the AFC with Cincinnati. Um, are you surprised, Brownie? Because I know we'll get to it in a minute. Maybe we will. Uh, that the Cardinals are still without a head coach, and so are the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, there is a part of me. This is not a usual time frame to get these guys hired. Yeah, there's a part of me that's wondering if there's someone from the two Super Bowl teams, staffs that Arizona might be interested in, but I would have thought they would have interviewed him already. Yeah, who? I mean. I don't know. I mean. I mean. You can go down the um, Eric Bieniemy path again. I'm just throwing out names here. So, yeah. you know, I I don't know. Could be anybody. Um, you know, the Eagles staff, I mean, there's – People there, I, I, I was just wondering, like, what could be the holdup? And that, to me, might be one of the only things I can think of, that maybe there's somebody on one of those staffs that they want to talk to. And I'm not even familiar enough with down deep. My, Eric Bannamy, we've heard, been hearing about for a couple of years. I don't even know who on the Eagles staff. I don't even know their coordinators at this point um, to, to know who's been pl- doing Because I, I, I hate to say it, but – I get it. Nick Sirianni's getting a lot of credit for what's going on in Philly, but man, oh man, they got some horses over there. Yeah, I mean, the D.C., Jonathan Gannon was mentioned in certain places, and he's a young guy. So, too, is their O.C., Shane Steichen, who was working in L.A. with the Chargers, then moved on to the Eagles with Sirianni. Um, I know their offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland has been interviewed for a couple of coordinator positions because he's only an offensive line coach slash run game coordinator. Um, But to my knowledge, you know, they're not hiring people away from Super Bowl teams. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who it was just a guess because we're waiting a long time here. Right. For this to come together. And I, you know, I'm sure there are other things that could hold it up. You could have something. As simple as, you know, contract language. Maybe somebody's agreed to terms and they're trying to cross T's and dot I's. That could be it. I know that you were always curious about whether or not Arizona could lure an offensive coach to come in to work with Kyler Murray. And right now you've got Kafka, the OC from the Giants, as the only offensive candidate. And then obviously Anarumo, who's, you know, a defensive-minded guy as the other candidate. So, yeah, I. what are they waiting for? You got me. I don't know. I don't uh, know what's keeping them from finalizing that. And uh, there, and this, you know, fuel, I'm not saying it's the reason, but it fuels the speculation that I've made over the course of the last couple month or two that there are some guys who no thank you these jobs. Um. Certainly, there's a, a a certain level of guys who would take it at any what for any reason for at mm-hmm. any price, right? They want it, they would love it, uh, but there's a lot of guys, you know, guys like Sean Payton who just took the Denver job. You could see a a coach of his stature say no to something, but I think that line drops down even into some pretty good coordinator spots where these guys say, 
I want to take a job where I can be successful in. Because if I go, I'm going to get a, I'm going to, you know, have this job for three or four years, and we're going to get, we're going to stink, and I'm going to be fired, and then, then what am I going to do? Take a step back. Yeah, yeah, then I'm going to take a step back, and then go, I'm going to be back to coordinating again or whatever. I think there's a number of, or at least at in, at any given point in the NFL, it changes obviously from year to year. Where there's guys who will say, uh, I don't know, yeah. particularly the prominent candidates. I think. I mean, I, I realize this is kind of an obvious point, but I kind of thought all along that the Cardinals were going to have to hire a first-time head coach because yeah. getting some of these veteran guys to say yes <laughs> to, a, to what I see as a tenuous situation. Did you? Well, did you I, catch, I just don't see it. Did you catch the Sean Payton remarks about Russell Wilson? Oh, yeah. See, so Russell Wilson, here's a, Russell Wilson had an office <laughs> in the Broncos facility and his personal coach was there. Now, I don't know whether the guy was a coach coach well, or whether he was an no, assistant. No, he wasn't on the staff. He or, came yeah, and no, go no, as no. he pleased. I know. He, was, he was said he was a coach, but I don't know whether he was a assist, personal assistant or whether he was a, you know, this guru, a mechanics coach He'll or a nutritionist. After who, practice. What do I care? If the, I don't even know if the guy was a nutritionist or what. He might have been, you know, I don't know. But he was in the building and he was Russell. He was on Russell's pay, you know, payroll. Payroll, not. The Broncos payroll. So at his introductory press conference, Sean Payton was asked about Russ's personal coach. And he said, basically he said, yeah, that's not going to fly. I, that's, it's going to be us, our players, and our staff, and that's going to be all who's in the building. So Sean Payton just fired Russell's entire staff. <laughs> well, at least he's preventing access to the building. So The, the guy I, will not be in the building. So we heard some – Stuff this last season when Russ, you know, you know, he had fewer touchdown passes than bathrooms in his new house. We heard, you know, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, so Russ, what Russ was flexing a little bit in the building, I think. And Sean Payton's coming in saying, "No, nah, that's that's yeah, not we're gonna, not doing we're that. not doing that," yeah. which is, I think, an absolutely proper and one hundred percent correct move to make. Payton's former team, the Saints hired a new defensive coordinator in Joe Woods, who was fired at season's end in Cleveland. Woods, not a bad deal to walk into. He's inheriting a top-five defense that finished ninth in points allowed. Cleveland, the defense he coordinated, was 14th in total defense. And, you know, 12th against the pass, 20th in points allowed, Browns couldn't stop the run last year. They were 25th against the run, but that was also a problem in New Orleans. They were 24th against the run, not much better. Hard to know what that defense is going to look like, knowing the Saints are about $57 million over the cap. And I also read this, head coach Dennis Allen is going to be calling the plays on defense. So the scheme remains, and Joe Woods comes in, and He's just going to be holding a clipboard. He's not even going to be calling the plays well, on defense. Well, he'll probably be – he's going to – listen, he's not going to – he's going to be doing more than that. But, yeah, on game day, he probably will have a voice in what's going on but not be play, calling the plays. For instance, game planning is a vast – is a you know an ongoing yeah. process. He's going to be neck deep in that for sure. Right. And personnel decisions, all of that stuff. Uh, Dennis Allen, though, will be calling the plays, and that's – I I get that. I'm all about that. I think a head coach should be calling the offensive plays or calling the defensive plays. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, for instance, say 
let's say this is the way it is in, in Kansas City, Andy Reid. If he if Eric Bieniemy is calling the plays and he, he gets all this credit for how good this offense is, pretty soon he's coaching the Arizona Cardinals or the Indianapolis Colts or the Carolina Panthers. Well, now you got to find another guy. But if your head coach is doing that, at least you have your play caller, oh, somebody okay. there who's who you're not going to get totally gutted. Your offensive coordinator goes there to coach. Your defensive coordinator goes there to coach. Now we were in the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl this year. Now we can't get back because i got to redo my, the top of my entire staff. So I'm, I'm all about having a head coach on game day having some important responsibilities so that, you know, the guy, so that he doesn't lose those guys yeah. to hires when, when the team becomes successful. So I'm, I, I see the value in that, particularly in Kansas City where you got Pat Mahomes. And you don't want that guy. And we here at Buffalo's done it. Now, you can, make the converse, the, you can make the comment now. People are saying, well, I don't know, Ken Dorsey, I don't know. They, listen, they were better offensively this year than they were last year. Against a harder strength of schedule. Against a much more difficult strength of schedule and more injuries. So you can say what you want about you don't like Ken Dorsey, you think he should be fired, it, that, 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 how the season ended and all that stuff. You can say what you want. They were better this year than they were last year. They were number two scoring, number two total, total points, number two scoring, number two, number two yards get, and they were the best team, number one team on third down. You say whatever you want. They were better this year than they were last year. That doesn't always happen. And you may not like the way it looks. Well, especially with the first-time play caller right, coming in. Right. You may not like the way it looks. You think, wow, they should have been better. They should have been Listen, they were, they were better than they were the year before in their rankings and in a lot of ways. So you, you may not like it to hear it, and you may be bummed about it, but Ken Dorsey did a really nice job, and he's still here. Which is good, but what happens when, now? You got to do it again. Now, what's going to happen? Joe Brady going to move up again? You're going to, you know, pretty soon you run out of guys who have the continuity and the and the experience to help Josh. Yeah. So this year they they got away with it, and if you want to say it that way, in losing a great coordinator like Dayball. But it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah. You may be right. Maybe maybe uh, you know Philly and Kansas City are going to get pillaged after the Super Bowl with these hires, with these two head coaching hires that are still out there. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. But the still simple fact of the matter is, you know, it's a bit, it's a thing. The staffs are vastly important in the NFL. And if you keep having to replace guys at the top, man, it's a problem. So I like that having defensive guys like Doug Allen in New Orleans. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, there is more coaching news that just happened Former Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes is expected to become the new defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. They had a vacancy, obviously, when D'Amico Ryans left to become the head coach of the Texans. So Steve Wilkes will be the new D.C. in San Francisco. He actually has been a head coach in his previous coaching career. He was the one-and-done guy in Arizona right after they drafted Josh Rosen and then was summarily dismissed after one season and Cliff Kingsbury came in and really didn't have a whole lot more success. So it uh, looks like Wilkes will be going to San Fran to work under Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. That's a heck of a defense to inherit. Yeah. That's not a bad gig. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I know they got to pay Nick Bosa this offseason. I'll say this, though, too. I mean, it's you're going to get scrutinized. 
because they were really good, yeah. and they better be really good this year, or it's on you. You know what I'm saying? There right. better be some. Barely, and they were number one, so there's right. only one place they can go. You better be. There better be some really obvious reasons other than you that they don't live up to the number one defense again next year. Mm-hmm. You better have some real solid, tangible reasons that everybody can see, or you're going to get the blame for them dropping in the rankings. But there's no better. You know, you don't have a. Nobody's got a cupboard that's more that's more full than yours is. Yeah. Walking into that. So I'll see. We'll see. I, but, yeah, that's – I think that comes with a lot of pressure. A lot like Ken Dorsey's pressure coming in with Brian Dayball this year. He did well. Right. And an all-world quarterback. Uh, topic of discussion today concerns that quarterback, Josh Allen. What do you believe is the most effective way to take the load off Josh Allen next season? I think there's a lot of people, fans and outside observers alike – who would claim that there is too much on Josh Allen's plate and too much of the offensive burden falls on him too much of the time. Just look at his rushing yards as one example. So in your eyes, what is the most effective way roster-wise for the Bills to take the load off Josh Allen next season? You tell us at 803-0550. 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got an open line for you there. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. We've heard, you know, we have Greg Cosell on here on a weekly basis during the season, Steve. And he says, he said it more than once. He feels that the offense is too Josh-centric and too much of the burden is on him to make it all work every single week, no matter the circumstances. Yeah. And I think he's got a point. And, you know, I think that's why a lot of us feel like the team's got to go all in on the offensive side of the ball this offseason to kind of surround him with a little bit more to work with. We, we had this conversation, too, that in the AFC Championship game, Mahomes and Joe Burrow, Mahomes almost set records. He was 91% of their offense. Uh, so if you've got that guy, which the Bills do – the Chiefs do, the Chargers do, the Bengals do. Uh, you can go down the list. You got to. I think you got to ride that horse, and you got to expect him to be that guy. Now, if you can make him, give him help. No question, it's going to help. I mean, it's yeah, going to make take, it easier. For make him. it easier for him. And a, a lot of things point towards it. The rules are slanted towards that side of the ball. They officiate towards that side of the ball. That position gets a ton of protection where you don't have to worry about getting clotheslined two steps after the ball's left your hand. They protect it. Um, Everything says that if you've got that guy, it should be easy for him. And it didn't seem like that for Josh this year. It seemed like it was at times, it was like, man, give the guy a little help. You know, do a little something. Somebody do something. So I think that's where a lot of Bills fans kind of find themselves at different times, maybe not all the time, but certainly at different times, Bills fans are like, well, man, man, don't, don't drop that pass, you know, <laughs> or hand we, the ball. Can hand we help it. him out? Can you hand it to him instead of letting Josh run for the fourth and one? Can you hand it to somebody else? That kind of thing. So um, that's where we're at today with the question. Yeah. What, what do you, how would you do it? Yeah. Most effective way to take the load off of Josh next season not saying you're going to have him take a back seat. He's still going to be the driving force of the offense. But how do you make things a little easier for him 
with respect to the roster. You let us know at 803-0550. We take a break here, but we're back with your phone calls and your tweets next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, this is Buffalo Bills Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.